What's happening? We back with another installment, Dog Food TV. Dog Food TV is sponsored by Dog Food Store, a premium sportswear brand for Cleveland football fans. You can find that at www.dogfoodstore.com. So, this is almost like a Quentin Tarantino movie, right? It's the um, the shoulder situation, and it really the the chaos was really initiated by the media. You know, Watson said that he was going to play. And at the last minute, he said he wasn't going to play. If you watch the video with him, Stefanski and Barry on the field at the same time, you can tell that there's a conversation. Basically says, yeah, I can't go. And nobody's mad. Nobody's upset. I think it's just more of a heightened awareness of the situation. They walk off the field and, you know, they just got to get ready for a game. If you had responsible media, if you didn't have media that was, you know, out to incite panic, there there wouldn't have been a big deal. And, you know, one of the perpetuators of that narrative said, well, he talked to some guys after the game and they said they were frustrated that he didn't play. If you go, well, we actually have that. Anthony Walker, let's listen to what Anthony Walker said about Watson not playing. All right, next we'll go to Scott. Hey, Anthony, I think you touched on this after the game, but was there any jolt or confusion when you guys found out yesterday morning that Deshaun wasn't going to be able to play? No, no, not at all. Um, Obviously, you know, you always want to go out there full strength with, uh, you know, franchise quarterback. Um, You know, obviously we found out that he wasn't playing, but that doesn't change us defensively. Um, Obviously, we got to go out and play our game. And, you know, we didn't do that (laughs) no matter who was at quarterback yesterday. So. Um, you know, obviously we learn from it. Um, obviously we, we understand that injuries happen, you know, nobody's going to feel sorry for us as a team. Um, and, and the Ravens didn't, you know, so, uh, we got to be ready to go and no matter who's that quarterback, you know, defensively, we got to do our job. Now, a pessimist would say, well, that's what he's going to say to try to save face, to try to, you know, make it seem like nobody has a problem. Um, you know, but the optimists would say, well, it's a team. It's a team sport. Injuries are a part of it. You know, if you can't go, wh- why risk further injuring it and, you know, maybe ruining the season? Because if he gets hurt and, you know, you don't have Chubb, y- your season is definitely shot. So, the again, the media, we talked about how toxic the media is. And real quickly, Bill Belichick just got blasted, got a goose egg. Right. And we'll 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 try to play some clips of that if we have time towards the end. They were asking Bill Belichick some tough questions. But if you listen to the way that they asked him those questions, they were still asking it from a place of respect, maybe even a little bit of fear there. You know, Bill Belichick made a comment about going to have to start over. They said, well, you know, Bill, can you can you can you explain what that means? Kind of in that, in, that, in that kind of tone. And Bill, you know, you probably know how he talk. Well, you know, we just got to start over. All right, well, obviously it was a poor performance today here. So, I mean, just plain and simply, we got to find a way to, you know, play and coach better than that. And so, what's we're going to do? Start all over and um, get back on a better track than we're on right now. So, you know, slow start. And I just couldn't, 
and I could never really get the game under control. Greg Bedard. Uh, Bill, you said you guys need to start over. Um, ha have, have you ever had to do that before, five games in the season, just for reference? I mean, is, is it something new? Yeah, I've done it before. What, what does that entail, starting over? Starting over. If the Cleveland media asks that kind of question, what, what do you mean? What do you mean you got to start over? It's week five. What do you mean? It's a different. It's a, it's a difference. So how this how this Watson shoulder situation really should have been handled. And we actually have a great example of that. And it, it, it happened. It's happening with that with the Cincinnati Bengals, with the Joe Burrow calf situation. He's pretty much been trying to gut it out and play. And aside from this past game against the Cardinals, really hasn't looked that good. But finally had a good game. And now everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, the, the Bengals are, are, are back on track. Juxtapose that with the Browns losing 28-3 to with a backup quarterback. You know, prior to the Ravens losing to the Steelers, it was a lot of panic again. It was because the media incited that. But let's think about how many quarterbacks the Browns have had. And I think I, I think we have that. Let's get that pulled up real quick. Now, when you when you when you're a team that's not used to having a franchise quarterback, you tend to lose perspective on what it means to have a franchise quarterback. So y'all probably already know the the names and everything i can't recite every all of them by heart but let's just go down the list um 1999 tim couch started 14 games ty detmer started two 2000 doug peterson started eight tim couch started seven spurgeon win started one 2001 tim couch started all 16 oh two tim couch started 14 kelly holcomb started two uh oh three kelly holcomb started eight and tim couch started eight and then then we kind of start to get into a, um, a carousel of quarterbacks until you get to Baker Mayfield in uh, 20 was that 2018. Baker Mayfield started 13. Tyrod Taylor started three 2019 and 2020. Mayfield started all 16. 2021, he started 14. Case Keenum started two. Nick Mullins started one. And then you get into the Jacoby Brissett, Deshaun Watson split. And now we're in 2023. I don't know the exact number of quarterbacks, but it's a lot. When you have a franchise quarterback and he's not able to go, regardless of the opponent, there is nothing wrong with him saying, you know, I, you know, I know I said that I expected to play. It just, it just doesn't feel right. You know, when I throw it, I, I feel like I can't get to drive on the ball or I, or I feel a little bit more pain than I anticipated or just feel stiff today. You know, teams that have success, um, consistent success, that's not that big of a scare or, um, you know, red flag, rather, to the fan base. You know, this fan base since 1999 really hasn't had a lot to be optimistic about, which is understandable. But in 2023... You have a coach that I believe his record is above 500. I think he's around 51, 52 percent win percentage. Uh, 
And, you know, that's pretty that's pretty good. It's better than what has traditionally been the case. So, you know, you got a franchise quarterback, a guy that you paid a lot of money to. You look at Joe Burrow, he got paid. You look at Lamar Jackson, he got paid. You look at Deshaun Watson, he got paid. Of those three, aside from the game against the Cardinals, I think the consensus is Burrow has looked the worst. Watson would probably be second worse. Um, and then Lamar Jackson playing the, the best, more consistent of the three. Um, now you look ahead or you look now, the Ravens are three and two. Steelers are three and two. Browns are two and two. And I believe the Bengals are two and three. So, again, when you have a franchise quarterback, it allows you a little bit of wiggle room. Granted, we all agree they shouldn't have lost the, the Pittsburgh game. Shouldn't have lost that. They really should be sitting at about three and one. But it happens. And if he doesn't play against the 49ers, it really shouldn't incite panic either. Because even, And if he doesn't look good, that's a top five defense. I mean, so expectations need to be tempered a little bit because I still do believe he needs to play about 16 games, full games before he, you really start to see him starting to hit his stride. So with him not playing against the Ravens, um, that's going to put it around week 11, week 12. And given what the schedule looks like, in fact, let's go ahead and pull the schedule up real quick. So if you look at the remaining schedule, you got the 49ers week six. Let's look ahead to week seven real quick. They're saying Anthony Richardson is hurt. So he may not, he may not be available for week seven. So now you're going against Gardner Minshew week eight. You got the Seahawks. That's going to be, it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a good game. Week nine, you got the Cardinals, a uh, favorable matchup week 10. You got another shot against Baltimore with hopefully a healthy quarterback, a little bit more evil or level playing field. And we just saw what Baltimore did against the, uh, the Steelers. They struggled against the Steelers. Um, we saw that in the first half, they really didn't get a lot going on the, the passing front, the run game. They were able to do some things, but a lot of that was just field position game. So another favorable matchup. Then you got the Steelers. Uh, week 11, you know, there's going to be a lot of energy and tension because that, you know, I'm sure Chubb is, is going to be on a lot of people's minds. So you got week 11, another favorable matchup there. And that's getting close to getting Watson uh, 16 games under his belt, a full season. Then you got week 12 against the Broncos. Really don't have to say much about that. Uh, favorable matchup again. And you got week 13 against the Rams. Um, they're kind of up and down, but you would say favorable matchup based on what the Bengals did week 14 against Jacksonville. That that's going to be a, that's going to be a tough one. Week 15 against the bears. You got week 16 at the Texans. And then you got, um, week 17 jets, week 18 Bengals. So, you know, <laughs> if you look at the 49ers, Based on my understanding, the 49ers and the Ravens and the Jets, I believe, are the only top 10 defenses um, 
on this on this uh, graphic. Let's pull it up real quick just to be sure. Let's take a look at that before we wrap this up. Okay, now I don't know. I don't know if this is if this I don't know if this is going to already have the the game the uh, Raiders and the Packers game stats factored in. But as of right now, uh top 10 defenses, Cleveland Browns 1, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2, San Francisco 49ers 3, Baltimore Ravens 4, New Orleans, New Orleans Saints 5, Buffalo Bills 6, Kansas City Chiefs 7, Dallas Cowboys 8. Seattle Seahawks nine and Tennessee Titans number 10. So you got the 49ers, you got the Ravens and you got the Seattle Seahawks. You got three top 10 defenses on this graphic. These, this is a favor. This is a good favorable schedule. Now, based on this schedule and based on where everybody is, in the AFC North, the AFC North is wide open. And if we look at some of the competitions remaining schedule, let's look at the Ravens real quick. They obviously lost to the Steelers uh, week five. They got the Titans in London week six. They got the Lions week seven. They got the Cardinals week eight. They got the Seahawks week nine. Uh, the Browns again in week 10. The Bengals again in week 11. They got the Chargers week 12, then they're on bye. Then they have the Rams, the Jaguars, the 49ers, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. So the Ravens are going to have to play one, two, three. They also have three uh, top 10 defenses that they're going to have to deal with, but they also are going to have to deal with the Dolphins, who are probably a top five offense, if not the best offense uh, currently. And Detroit is playing very good football. So based on the schedule, I would say that the Ravens have a just a touch, touch more difficult schedule just on paper. Uh, let's take a look. Who's next? The Steelers. We can take a look at the Steelers. Um, I don't know how many more times the defense is going to be able to bail them out, but they have their own bye this week. And then they have the Rams, the Jaguars, the Titans, the Packers, the Browns, the Bengals, Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, um, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and then the Ravens. So the Steelers are going to have to deal with one, two, three. Are the Titans, were the Titans on that? No, the Titans, oh, well, they're number 10, so that's four. So that's four uh, top 10 defenses. But you see they got the Patriots on here, the Cardinals on here. Uh, so I would say the Steelers have a, a, a somewhat a somewhat favorable schedule. But again, they're, they, they have a lot of issues on offense. So they, based on what I'm seeing, I would say that they between the Browns and the Ravens, they have a they have a harder schedule just because of their offensive woes. Um, and then lastly, let's take a look at the Bengals. And the Bengals have the Seahawks this week, a top 10 defense. Then they're on by week seven. 
then they come then they have the 49ers a top 10 defense then they have the buffalo bills the houston texans the ravens again the steelers the jaguars the colts the vikings um the steelers again the chiefs and then the browns so how many top 10 defenses is that um all right, so they don't, well, they already lost to the Titans. So the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Ravens, the Browns, the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's what? Oh, and the Bills. So that's six. Is that six top 10 defenses? One, two, three, four, five, six. That's six top 10 defenses that they got to go against. And, you know, the division games are tough, too. We know. So you can look at this and make the case. The Bengals have the hardest role. And I and I think that has something to do with um, what you do in the playoffs. I believe that's how they do the, the scheduling, that um, the further you go, the harder your, your schedule is the next season. So I, I guess that makes sense. But they easily have the most difficult schedule. Uh, going forward the rest of the season. So again, with this shoulder situation, the media, the Browns media is not doing a good job of being neutral, of being biased and of really just doing their job of covering the team rather than trying to, you know, have people throw others under the bus, you know, ask these players questions in the moment and then infer what their feelings are about a particular player or, or about a particular situation. Like if you ain't willing to get it on the record and you're doing all that, well, I talked to a number of players. We can't, I can't really go to the bank and cash no checks to that. And that's what you got to start doing. If you're consuming this media, which is really gossip, really the whole thing about players being frustrated about Watson, that was really gossip. That really wasn't reporting because Mary Kay Cabot, when she published that Jadavion Clowney piece about the coaching staff and what they were doing in favor of Miles Garrett, she put her name on that. She put his name on that and she put his quotes on on that. Again, I felt like she should have held that until the end of the season. But whatever. The difference is that you know who said it. You got to read what they said and you could actually point to, okay, that's a real problem. Think back to what you've heard in the last seven to 10 days. It's all been conjecture. It's all been theory. Nothing has been concrete. Nobody has said this is the player that I talked to and this is what they said. Thankfully, which really should let you know they probably didn't have nothing to begin with. They really didn't have nothing to begin with, because if they did, they would have published it. You feel me? And I really doubt that the player said this is how I feel, but don't put don't don't, you know, because they could have said that. But to my knowledge, nobody told no reporter that because no reporter said that. That I talked to this person and they told me and they said, keep my name out of it. But this is how I feel about it. So it's, it's really just a bunch of BS. So the shoulder situation was really mishandled. You know, I think that, you know, as a Browns fan going into this week, you kind of got to temper your expectations because if he does play and they don't play well, it's, it's really not indicative of anything. 
they're a top five defense as well. And their offense is clicking. If he plays and they plays well, that's a good sign, whether they win or lose. So, you know, there'll be some good things to glean from that. But if he doesn't play and they go out there and they lose again and fall to two and three, it really it, it, it's not going to mean anything because you, it's it's a marathon and you, you got to look at what is the most important thing. The most important thing is getting to the playoffs healthy and being able to make some noise in the playoffs. Y'all remember the tortoise and the hare. That was one of my favorite fables as a young kid. You got to stay steady. You know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, you know, hopefully the media can, um, you know, keep their fangs and their clutches from dividing this team. And I think the team, even the way that Kevin Stefanski, real quick, and we'll end on this. I don't think we're going to have time to get to the Bill Belichick's quotes, but we'll, we'll try to do that in, a, in another video this week before um, we get into the predictions. Everybody rips Kevin Stefanski about, you know, the way that he answers questions. And, I, and you know, I'll be honest. The last couple of years, I've been the same way. I feel like he answers the, the press conferences after a win or a loss with the same kind of word tracks. But after this week, I really understand why. Because you're going up there in front of a media that's really a kangaroo court. They're like that spouse that, you know, suspects that you're cheating or maybe she already caught you cheating. And now she's asking you questions, trying to get you caught up, trying to get you hemmed up. And now anything that you answer, if it doesn't really line up to a T with everything that you say after that, with every question, because every question is loaded and it's connected to another question. She's going to get she's going to get you. She's going she's going to get that ass. Excuse my language. So. You know, if if you were him in that situation, you would answer things pretty vague, pretty neutrally as well, especially given how he answered a question about, yeah, he was medically cleared and what that opened the floodgates for. So if I had to guess, you're going to get a lot of vague Kevin Stefanski going forward the rest of the season. And I got to say, with this media that he has to sit in front of every week, I can't say that I blame him. I can't. It's unfortunate that the media does that, but, you know, they got to get some new blood up in there because a lot of those people, based on my understanding, Chris Broussard was talking about this. A lot of these people been there for the last 20, 30, maybe even longer. So a lot of their pessimism is rooted into their journalism. But we're going to go ahead and wrap this up, man. Y'all get the y'all get the picture. So it's week what's this week six. So, yeah, Browns got an opportunity. You know, they don't play the games on paper. You feel me? They play they play the games on the field. So we'll see how it go. We'll um, we'll do the prediction video a little bit later. Uh, we'll look at the run defense rankings and all of that, the run stuff, win rate and all of that. And um, I think right now the Browns are four and a half underdogs. Uh, but again, that could change if Deshaun Watson, um, if he plays or if he doesn't play. I'm sure if he doesn't play, that's probably going to go up a few points. And if he does play, it'll probably go down. But uh, we'll see. So, again, it's another installment of Darfu TV. Appreciate your patience. And, um, you know, tuning in, checking us out. And uh, we'll catch you all on the next one.